Welcome to Bible Study, Parody, and Subversion in Matthew's Gospel. You may have noticed that the episodes are getting shorter, and that is on purpose. My sense was that I was packing a little bit too much in some of them, and I got a little bit of feedback that uh, some of them were a little long. So um, from here on out, I'm going to try to keep them shorter, to uh, focus on one passage at a time, but there may be episodes in which we look at two or more passages um, because they really need to uh, go together. Uh, today, I will look at actually just uh, the second half of the passage from last week. So this will be one of the shorter episodes. In the last episode, we left Jesus sitting down to dinner with tax collectors and sinners. The Pharisees questioned his choice of friends, and he responded by calling for an ethos of mercy rather than sacrifice. In this episode, we continue with the same scene, but a different group comes to question Jesus. This time, Jesus has to respond not to his enemies, but to his allies. He has to help them understand that it is not enough to do the right thing, that one must temper righteousness with compassion. He must teach them that the right thing at the wrong time can actually be the wrong thing. My name is Bert Newton, and this is episode 21 of Bible Study, Parody and Subversion in Matthew's Gospel. Let's read Matthew 9, 14-17. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, The wedding guests cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old cloak, for the patch pulls away from the cloak, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wineskin put into old wineskins. Otherwise the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. Wow, a lot of imagery to unpack, a lot of parabolic talk in this passage. So forgive me if I get into a little bit of preacher mode in trying to unpack it all. I think a lot of the Bible can only be understood if we feel it. It was written in a culture which makes full use of emotions to communicate. So much of it can't really be understood unless we feel it. So my commentary on this passage will lean into the emotional and poetic force of the text. 
This passage starts out with feasting versus fasting. What should good revolutionaries do? Feast or fast? Jesus is feasting. He is feasting with tax collectors and sinners. This time, it is not the notorious Pharisees, but rather Jesus' allies, the disciples of John, who questioned the practice of Jesus. This time, the question is not about whom he eats with, but rather that he is eating at all, rather than fasting. These disciples of John are earnest. They are disciplined. They are fellow revolutionaries. But they don't fully comprehend the moment that they are witnessing. As disciplined revolutionaries, they are committed to the discipline of fasting. They fast in solidarity with those who have no food. They fast so that they maintain a revolutionary vigilance, always ready to suffer for the cause, to sacrifice themselves for the movement. So they expect everyone else worthy of their salt to fast also. If one does not fast, then one is not serious about revolution. But in their zeal and discipline, they fail to comprehend what is going on right in front of them. They see Jesus at dinner with societal outcasts, but fail to recognize the moment of liberation. And so they lose sight of the whole point of fasting. They have forgotten the words of Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah 58, 5-7 reads, Is this not the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and to bring the homeless poor into your house, and when you see the naked to cover them, and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Zechariah also questions fasting practices, saying, Then the word of the Lord Almighty came to me. Ask the people of the land and the priests, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months for the past seventy years, was it really for me that you fasted? Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments. Show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the orphan, the alien, or the poor and do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. Zechariah 7, 4-10 Zechariah goes on in the next chapter to turn fasting into celebration. Jesus has nothing against fasting. He did a 40-day fast himself just five chapters ago. The problem seems to be timing. The problem seems to be that they have lost the sight of the whole point of fasting. They come at the very point in time that Jesus is eating with some people who have been alienated by everyone else, probably even by other radicals like the disciples of John the Baptizer. Tax collectors and sinners can't get into that highly disciplined movement. They will never measure up. But Jesus makes a way for them. In the spirit of the prophets of Isaiah and Zechariah, he has a little feast with them. It is probably meager by our standards, but the point isn't the quality or quantity of the food, but the quality and quantity of the honor. In this honor-shame society, Jesus gives them honor, something no one else gives them. The prophets speak of the ingathering of the lost, 
sometimes using the image of a feast. That is what we get in this scene. The tax collectors and sinners are the lost of the society. Jesus gathers them in for a feast. Jesus tells the disciples of John that this is not the time to speak of fasting. This is the time to celebrate the liberation of those marginalized in society. He says that they cannot fast while the bridegroom is with them. Of course, the reader immediately identifies the bridegroom as Jesus. So it seems that he is merely saying that they can't fast until he is taken away to be crucified. But, like everything in this gospel, there are layers of meaning, and they all have to be penetrated to get the full force of the message. The image of the bridegroom in Isaiah is an image of liberation and justice for the poor and those under oppression. Jesus is saying that there is a time for fasting, but the moment of liberation, when the proverbial bridegroom is still with them, is not it. It is like telling people who have been deprived of food that immediately upon getting a decent meal that they now have to give it up to be in solidarity with everyone else that does not yet have food. There is a time for such solidarity, but this is not the time. These tax or toll collectors and sinners have been deprived of honor. So Jesus gives them honor through this supper. He will go on to teach all of his followers to divest themselves of honor for the sake of building the new society. In today's language, we would say, divest yourself of privilege. But the time for that teaching is not now. These outcasts have lived their whole lives without honor. And now is the time for them to receive honor. So now is not the time to speak of fasting. But through instructing them about the proper timing, Jesus alludes to his own death when the bridegroom is taken away. And he reminds them that this movement is a revolutionary movement. A revolutionary movement includes both fasting and feasting, but it does not conform to the old timetables of the former society. You see, there were regular schedules of fasting for zealous Jews, and this may be what the disciples of John are referring to when they say, we and the Pharisees fast often. Well, a revolutionary movement includes both feasting and fasting, but it does not conform to those old timetables of the old society, and it will lead to martyrdom. You can't sew a new cloth onto an old garment, or it will tear it open. The old society had appointed times for fasting, and apparently Jesus is feasting in one of them, because liberation has its own timetable. Liberation doesn't fit neatly into the timetable of the old society, but rather tears the fabric of that old society. Liberation can't fit nicely into the wineskin of the old society, but rather bursts it wide open, spilling the wine, a symbol of blood in the literature of the early church. This revolutionary movement will tear the fabric of society. It will burst open the old wineskin of the old society 
and spill the blood of the martyrs. When the blood is spilt, that will be a time for fasting. Until then, Jesus will celebrate with the outcasts, the lost who are now found. His practice of feasting will lead to the Last Supper, the Feast of the Eucharist, a symbolic spilling of his own blood and the blood of all the martyrs who walk in the same footsteps. This practice of feasting will lead to fasting. It will lead to the cross. Jesus says, right now we will party with the sinners. We will celebrate their release from bondage to the empire and to the shame of society. Today we will give them honor. Later, we will march on Jerusalem, where we will disrupt and tear open the fabric and wineskins of the imperial system of domination. There we will rouse the wrath of the empire and feel the full force of its brutality. Then you can fast. My name is Bert Newton. The music for this podcast is supplied by Bob Nolte and David Martin. This podcast is available at buzzsprout.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Player FM, Podbeam, Deezer, Luminary, CastBox, and many more places. Please spread the word and rate us on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else that gives you that option. Visit our Facebook page, Parody and Subversion in Matthew's Gospel, and leave comments. This has been Episode 21 of Bible Study, Parody and Subversion in Matthew's Gospel.